The Old Testament reading for this, the first Sunday in Advent, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the second chapter. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the 13th chapter. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, Not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And this is the word of the Lord. We rise for the reading of the Gospel. And the Holy Gospel that serves as the text for our sermon this morning comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus said, Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 
This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The church year, as you know, is different from the regular calendar year. Today marks the first day of Advent, the first day of a new year in the church. Other than Reformation and All Saints Day, a couple other days, our pyramids have been green since mid-June. But today, they have been changed to blue. And as the church year came to an end, our focus had been on the end times, on the destruction of the world, and on Jesus' triumphant return to judge all things. But today, today, Advent begins. And so today, our readings focus on the destruction of the world and on Jesus' triumphant return to judge all things. Hmm. Isn't Advent about getting ready for Christmas? And isn't Christmas a time of great joy? I mean, just listen to the songs being played in stores and look at the Christmas displays going up in malls and in people's yards. This is supposed to be a happy time, a time of peace and joy. So why, oh why, are we today still focusing on the end of the world? Well, the simple answer is because we're Lutheran. Now, I say that not to imply that Lutherans don't like joy or that we're just a bunch of stoic Germans who prefer Paul Gerhardt over Mariah Carey. I say that because it really is the reason why. Like I said at the beginning of the sermon, the church year is different from the calendar year, and the church is different from the world around us. For most people, Christmas time is already here. The celebration has already begun. But what exactly is the world celebrating? Snowy scenes and nostalgia? Drunken parties and overspending on gifts and goodies? A brief time of pretending that we all get along and there is peace in the world in December? See, the thing is, when there is no Christ in Christmas, it really doesn't matter when you start celebrating because there's nothing real to celebrate. But for those who believe God's word, those who understand that Christmas is all about the long-awaited Messiah coming to us in the flesh to take away our guilt and our sin and to open the gates of heaven to all those who believe in him, Christmas is very different. And Advent, that time of preparation for Christmas, is different as well. Yes, we wait in joyful anticipation. But we wait not just for family get-togethers, concerts, and presents. We wait for the arrival of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And not just long ago and far away, but also when he returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. Advent is not just about looking back to when Jesus came to us as an infant. It's also about looking forward to when Jesus will return again in glory. But there's the problem, isn't it? To sinners like us, that should be a terrifying thought. The thought of Jesus Christ, the eternal, holy, perfect judge of all creation, returning to judge us, that should be terrifying. Because of our sin, we deserve only death. And this is something that oftentimes we lose sight of as Christians. 
Sin is real, and it is deeply displeasing to God. God doesn't just kind of not like sin. God hates sin. He despises sin. He pours out his wrath upon sin. Sin is not allowed in God's perfect paradise of heaven. And since we are by nature sinful and unclean, sinful to the core, corrupted and rotten throughout, we don't belong in heaven. We don't get to go there. And that's why Advent isn't a season of frivolity and fluff. We need to be reminded of what we are, condemned sinners. We need to hear daily that without Jesus coming to us, we are condemned to hell. We need to see the danger of our sin. We need to take it seriously. And we need to realize just how desperate our situation actually is. Because if Jesus comes to us and judges us by what we've done, we stand utterly condemned for all eternity by his holy and perfect law. We have broken it in thought, word, and deed, and there is nothing that we can do to fix that. And for those who don't believe at all in God's word, those who live in rank disbelief, those who cling to their sin and refuse to repent, well, the arrival of Jesus Christ is not at all a day of joy, not something that they should look forward to. Those without faith should rightly fear this day because it means that all their sin, all their guilt and transgression will be laid at their feet and they will be called to account for every bit of their guilt. It doesn't matter how much they've denied that God doesn't even really exist. doesn't matter how much they've justified their sin in their minds and explained to themselves and the world how they had special circumstances. It doesn't matter how much they have pretended and been told by our world that their sin is okay and good and something to celebrate and be proud of. At the return of Jesus Christ, those who are still clinging to their sin and rejecting God's grace, they will stand condemned before his throne of judgment. And that doesn't give us sinners a whole lot to celebrate, does it? That's not a message that we want to receive on a Christmas card. It kind of takes the joy out of the season. Unless, of course, you know why Jesus came to us in the first place. Since we know of Jesus' mercy and grace, we do indeed joyfully anticipate his arrival. Back then and in the future. We know that Jesus Christ came to us in the flesh not to judge us according to our sin as we deserve, but to take away the guilt of our sin. While we were dead in our transgressions, God sent his only begotten Son to us as our Savior, our Redeemer, the one who would set us free from sin and death and the devil. Though we deserved only his righteous wrath and eternal condemnation because of our sin, instead, he showed us grace and mercy and undeserved love. The penalty that was ours, that we had racked up, he instead took it upon himself, suffering for our guilt so that we could be proclaimed holy and innocent in his sight. As we look to the manger, now up to the days of Christmas and all throughout our lives, 
We don't just see a cute baby that gives us a reason to get together with friends and family and exchange gifts and make cookies. We see our salvation. The one who came to die in our place. The one who came to rise again and break the chains of eternal death that bound us forever. And so during the season of Advent, we not only look forward to our celebration of Jesus' birth, but also to our celebration of his return. When he came to us in the flesh the first time, he came to suffer and die on the cross, to rise again, and to give us the eternal victory. And since he has done that for us, when he comes again in judgment of this world, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we will stand before him and we will be welcomed into his glorious kingdom of heaven. Not because of anything that we did, not because of how well we prepared, but because of everything that he has done for us. He has paid our penalty in full with his blood. He has atoned for every bit of our sin and our guilt. He has worked faith in our stony, rebellious hearts. He has crushed the devil's head as was promised long ago. And he has given us his eternal victory that he won at his empty tomb. This is why we celebrate Christmas. And this is why we prepare for that joyous celebration with the season of Advent. Looking to our sin, acknowledging it, repenting of it. Not to make sure that we're properly depressed so Christmas feels that much more joyful, but so that we realize just what it is that God has actually given to us in Christmas. As sinners, we need to recognize how deep our sin is, how dire our circumstances are, how wretched and undeserving we truly are. We need to be reminded that left to our own devices, we have only hell and eternal condemnation to look forward to. But our Heavenly Father, in mercy and grace and love, did not leave us to ourselves. God came to us in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, born under the law to redeem those under the law, to give us not just a glimmer of hope, but the absolute guarantee of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life in heaven. Without his redemption, we have no reason to celebrate, and we would be fools to look forward to his triumphant return. But knowing his word, knowing his grace, knowing that he has died and risen again to give us the eternal victory, we can joyously pray, come, Lord Jesus. Not just to celebrate Christmas, but to celebrate every day of our lives and to proclaim the glorious truth of the gospel to the entire world, that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.